we're just gonna do the first movie. Oh, <laughs> I was prepared. For I all want you to know movies. I watched all the movies. Oh no, <laughs> Kat, Kat just wanted Listen, to watch all the movies. Don't even be mad because Kat knows I Resident watched Evil. all the movies. I say, yeah, we about to talk for like two to three hours, and I'm about to have all the movie information. I didn't put endless notes, notes. Oh, that was a blank my page God. with notes. <laughs> That's all right. I'm about to put the movie on in the background. It's all good. Dylan's like, girl, what? Welcome to the latest episode of Movies from Green Hell. I'm Dylan, and we continue on delving into uh, more movies with heavy metal soundtracks or some such related nonsense in order to do a trite podcast about them. And joining me for this episode is Kat and Jazz from Girl That's Scary. Thank you for coming on. Hey. (laughs) They've been doing their horror movie podcast for what, like Three three and a half years? Yeah! Wow, it's been yeah. like three and a half years. It will be four. We're about October. to go to big boy school. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I started listening to it during 2020. Um, I was on one episode talking about Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. Cat and Jazz uh, were on another little podcast I did that does not exist anymore. But now they're back to actually talk about something that you know they're very passionate about, or at least one of them is very passionate about. Um, Because we're talking about the Resident Evil movie that came out in 2002. I understand that Kat's a very big fan of this series. I feel like at this point it's an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) You're like the number one Resident Evil fan out there. She's carrying the series on her back. Like, if there are, is one Resident Evil fan, it's Cat. If there's too many evil, Resident Evil fans, Cat's one of them. If there are no Resident Evil fans, Cat is deceased. That is how <laughs> big of a fan <laughs> Kathleen is. <laughs> now, is it like, okay, so is it the games too or the just the movies? Because, you know, obviously this movie is based on the very successful Capcom series. Does it exactly uh, mimic the storyline very well? Are you both fans of the games or just the movies or just like a couple of the games or what have you? So I like the games. I never had a chance, believe it or not, to play them all through from beginning to end. Um, When the first game came out, we didn't have a PlayStation. My cousin had a PlayStation, but my mom was like, uh, I don't know if we're playing that. That's not happening. But she loves <laughs> horror. So it's it's a real weird space to be in. So I've always played always played at other people's houses. Um, I'm very familiar with a few of the characters. I know that the storyline does not follow the movie at all. And then towards the end of this, like when you start getting into the franchise or the film series, they just start throwing a bunch of random shit at you. Like, here's this person, here's this guy, here's this this monster. And I'm just like, cool, I don't even care at this point. Just just keep going. It's chaotic. They just, they just highlighted the bosses and were like, we're gonna put these boss fights in a movie. And it's that's we did none of the storyline, but the boss fight guys, yeah, we're just gonna they're interesting. What yeah. whatever is going on with whatever the movie is, it's fine. I like the movies. The animated movies are actually 
a good time as well. They had the little animated jinx. I did play There's cartoons. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. It's like not like a cartoon cartoon, but you know, like mm-hmm. 3D. It almost looks like video game cutscene cartoon. Mm-hmm. That's how it is. Those are good. Those are really good. And I'm like, why is it the movie that's good? But you know, hey man, that's all right. I do enjoy the first one, and I did play the games. I had a PlayStation. My brothers were into video games, and my little brother is a video game like he he's good at every game he picks up. So that's how I got into Dino Crisis because you got the Dino Crisis demo on the Resident Evil Jake. I was like, oh okay. I was scared mm-hmm. to play the game, but I like to watch people play it. I'm not playing it. I'll watch others though. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, Dino Crisis is just Resident Evil but with dinosaurs. What if Jurassic Park was actually scary? Uh, I never finished that game because it was fucking hard as hell to play because it has those janky ass old controls where, with the fixed camera. I personally, I really love the the fourth Resident Evil game. Probably one of my favorite games ever. I've never played any of the other Resident Evil games or the remakes, even though they, the more recent remakes have adopted the like Resident Evil 4 playing style. I've played five, which kind of has the same gameplay as four, but the plot is really fucking stupid and also uh, pretty fucking racist. <laughs> that game was very racist. Is that the one that took place in Africa? Yes. Or Haiti. It was one of those places. I I believe it is Africa. It may have originally been Haiti to begin with, but Mm. yeah, it does take place in Africa. And there's a, yeah, not not great. Not great. I'm kind of glad that they decided to move away from the like insane superhero, almost tech thriller to do more of a like horror movie style one with the later games, which I haven't played, but I've watched video of them. And those games look, pretty cool um scary yeah they do seem legitimately scary and of course you know there's the the big vampire lady that everybody's thirsting after i don't know i know she's seven feet tall i know she is and she got a big hat on i was like okay i'm running from that because i was watching somebody play that where you're in this like big mansion castle and you running through the jinx and you you know you can't even fight her you just gotta run away like i'm like bruh i don't like the boss fights where i can't fight back reminds me of five nights at freddy's like you just gotta like run away and shut Mm. the door like you can't there's nothing you can do but be scared or die or both now in regards to the movie like you did you did a, an episode about the movies, right? On your own podcast? Yes, all of them, including okay. the 2021 movie, <laughs> which was interesting is what I'll say about it. Yes. <laughs> um, there were choices. With, with air quotes. If you want to get Cat and Jazz's takes on those movies, you can go listen to that on their podcast. It's a fun, very fun, entertaining episode. Did you see this movie in the theaters? I personally saw this at a friend's house after it came out at a sleepover for New Year's. And I didn't really think much of it at the time. And I think the other movie we watched that night was 28 Days Later. Don't ask me how I remember that. Well, that sounds like a hell of a lineup. Well, yeah, yeah, that's how you remember it. It's 28 Days Later. That one was scary. It was scary as hell. It was actually scary. Well, I was scared at this one. I don't know. See, I didn't watch this in movies. Like, I didn't see this in a movie theater. This was like a Friday night rental. So it was like, Mm. soon as it was available, we was in there. We had it at the house. Everybody had the lights off. And y'all already know, like, just some chatting from with y'all, like, my family is really into horror. So we're all gathered around. I was shook. Shook. It was just like, from the beginning to end, because zombies, they take me to a new place. It's like, you're at work, horror on the clock. You're at work, 
stuff jumping off. You thinking you about to get out of work or you about to go to the next floor down the elevated and failed on with you. It's just getting crazy. <laughs> yeah, that intro is fucked up. I mm-mm-mm. and I'm I saw it again. I didn't see it in theaters. I didn't know it was coming out. I, I you know, I wasn't really looking at no trailers, but we definitely did the blockbuster. Oh, we about to get the movies, especially around that time where they had like the five for 20. I think we bought the DVD at a certain point because, you know, it wasn't received very well. So, you know, after <laughs> it definitely went on sale. At, shortly after it went on DVD because people were like, let's just throw this in the uh, bargain bin because granted they had so many sequels, but no, people were not like, they were like, this movie's stupid because it doesn't follow the video game. It's just a dumb action horror movie. And it wasn't scary to me because at this point, I think I was like 13 or 14 when I saw it. And at this point, I've seen all kinds of wild horror stuff. So I'm like, there were things in here that I had never seen before, but was it terrifying? No, but the beginning was stressful because the fact that y'all about to imagine you clocking in at work and y'all like, are you about to get on a train and go? And they locking everybody and gassing y'all and then you don't even die. They turn you into zombies. Y'all could have at least killed me for real, bro. Like that's messed up. I just remember a lot of big cardboard cutouts of Mia Jovovich holding a big gun and uh, a lot of a lot of uh, TV commercials and a lot of previews. And a lot of uh, industrial music, which was actually not mostly industrial music. It was um, it was a lot of new metal, but there was definitely some industrial thrown in there. So I, you know, because you know, I'm kind of looking at this from a music point of view. I I went and listened to the um, both the actual soundtrack, which is by Marco Beltrami, who's done a bunch of different soundtracks uh, in collaboration with Marilyn Manson. Um, and then there's like the actual song soundtrack. So I listened to both and uh, the actual score is like pretty good. I have a real soft spot for that early 2000s thriller music, like that metal clang noise that the matrix made really popular. Like this movie owes a lot to the matrix. I think we could all agree yes. on that. Yes. And so yeah. uh, like a lot of films from literally what 2001 2002 up until about 2005 because like blade trinity like all these movies that are taken underworld which i'm sure yep. we'll, we'll cover at some point yes and then they got the music the oomps, not oomps, oomps, but you know what it sounds like that rock and roll that everybody yeah because uh the fuck's gotta have like a flow now like a beat and shit but yeah it's like all that like we're in the club we're also fighting but we're in the club it's that That's kind of shit time. I like to be fighting in the club. I mean, I don't like to fight in the club, but I like the idea <laughs> of fight music playing in the club because it just, yes. it feels like you're about to turn it up. Like, oh, somebody's about to get killed. Somebody's about to get shot. There's about to be some choreographed kickboxing moves. I'm ready. I like action horror also. I'm an action movie fan. So there's that. And then throughout it, you get this other soundtrack comprising of you know of the time some pretty big names especially in like the industrial and new metal scenes it was released by roadrunner records who put out a number of uh, major soundtracks for movies that had like metal and rock focus you know their major labels still are uh so you get like slipknot obviously Marilyn manson cold chamber again another fucking cold chamber song after the scorpion king last episode and that band is still very funny to me. Fuck it. I had no idea there was a Method Man song on this fucking soundtrack. And it fucking rips. <laughs> I looked it up. I have the soundtrack pulled up. And I said, wait a minute. Release your, release your dope? 
Prodigy mix. Hold on, what's this? I definitely will be um, tuning into that because, and I'm going to notice, I'm like, oh, this was at this scene because, you know, music a lot of time triggers like, oh, that's that's when this happens or that's when that happens. And I'm like, I know this song, but I didn't know Method Man was on it because they probably cut it at a certain point and you probably didn't know, but I mean, not you, but I didn't know. So I'm like, I can't wait to listen to that. I, I imagine that they, um, that method man himself does not actually uh, vocally appear in the song. I'm sure it's like one part of like the song that sounded cool. Cause you know, that's what they need to have. But I mean, you got like Ramstein on here, Mudvayne, Fear Factory, a really bad Depeche Mode track. Oh, the name of the game by Crystal Method. Also like probably two of the better tracks on there. And then there were a couple of songs on here that were not included uh, in the actual release soundtrack due to licensing. A uh, couple of tracks by Frontline Assembly. Of course, you got to have a Nine Inch Nails song in here if you're doing all this crazy remix industrial kind of stuff. And it's the song Fistfuck, which uh, is the music that plays uh, one of, I think when she encounters what the, the zombie dog, I think plays very briefly. And I fucking love Nine Inch Nails. So I was essentially conditioned to like this. Overall, I like the soundtrack. Uh, I think it's much better than the Scorpion King. There's a lot more diversity on it. So I actually did think that the music aspect of Resident Evil was probably one of the stronger parts of the uh, actual movie. Um, but we'll we'll get into uh, talking about the actual first movie. And then we can touch on the sequels too, since Kat did some extra homework on that one. But this movie came out in 2002. It was written and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who has directed a whole litany of uh, questionable films like Mortal Kombat and its sequel, several other Resident Evil movies, Alien vs. Predator. Uh, but he has made at least one good movie in um, Event Horizon, which I've now watched a couple of times. And I've actually really come around on that movie. I think it's it might not be the smartest film in the world, but it is pretty entertaining. It's hard to deny uh, that Sam Neill going insane on a space station is pretty great. Um, also, space hell. It, space and hell are two of my favorite yeah. aspects of horror, and you put them together like a PB&J. I'm here. I'm set. Okay, I'll watch that movie at any time. Now, that begs the question, did they pull it off with Doom? Because I never saw Doom, and uh, that's space and hell right there for you. I've never seen Doom know. or played the games. It's on our list, though. I'm, I'm shook because I heard bad things. I heard terrible. Anytime there's a video game, like movie, it's always like, oh, this is going to suck. And I am someone, okay, yes, I'm a House of the Dead apologist. Yes, I am. I'm not <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I own the first one and the second one. I own yes. them. I, will, I was like, yeah, I could watch that right now. Are the movies good? No, but I would watch them. I don't, I think there's, Cat so, is like, mm, they are kind of good. Yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> they are so terrible that they are excellent. And I love those movies. So I'm like, sometimes the video game horror, and it's so wild because there's so much good material in video games, almost like books where you have all this stuff. You don't even, the bones are already there. You just got to assemble them in a way <laughs> that makes sense. And they never assemble them in a way that makes sense. I'm always baffled by them being like, oh man, all this good horror stuff. You know what we need to make this approachable? And I'm like, what? You're throwing out all the good shit. 
Exactly. They were like, let's make this formulaic like every other horror movie. Wh- why? Why would you do, especially House of the Dead? Like, I'm like, y'all, all y'all had to do was drop some agents off at a house and it, the dead started shut. That's all you had to do. You want to make it a rave because it's what yes. the early aughts. And I saw that in theaters. I want y'all to know. I was in the front row. Oh, That's man. choice y'all made. It's like it, it's like Alien versus Predator. Same shit. This guy would go on to it. And it's like, oh, aliens fighting predators on a space station with Marines. That sounds dumb. You know what we need to do? Put it in a pyramid in Antarctica and make them ancient aliens. Like, what? Why did why did you do this? <laughs> they could have fought anywhere. They could have fought anywhere. Because I would have watched that's a ridiculous action horror movie. That's great. Cause what? The alien and the predator fighting already is enough you didn't even have to have the humans to be quite honest but you know it's not approachable unless we have some human character i guess <laughs> resident evil stars uh, mia jovovich as alice this blew my mind originally also considered for the role were sarah michelle geller buffy you know i can see that but also jennifer love hewitt kirsten dunst natasha henstridge and gwyneth paltrow no could you imagine Gwyneth Paltrow in this movie? No. That, I refuse, honestly. <laughs> Jazz is holding her nose. <laughs> just, no. They wanted to hire anybody. Child. And, and I just and Mila, hot girls. That's it. But here's the thing. Mila jo- uh, Jovovich was modeling at the time. Like, I think she, this is when she really started to get into film. She was, she, she was, like, I think a supermodel at one point, or up to that level. She was doing editorials. I mean, she'd done, like, Dazed and confused, and the fifth element. But yes, this was like this was like what broke her in as like action movie heroine. Oh, the reason that like they didn't really go with any of those actresses because they didn't like all the violence and that there was a lot of nudity in the movie, which like there's not a lot of nudity, but there's some surprising nudity in this movie. <laughs> Did you say Kristen Dunst, right? Yeah. She she didn't like the violence in this movie, and she was in Virgin Suicides. <laughs> but I'm really like, what? There's like, I I really didn't think this movie. I mean, it's like kind of like gooey and at part at points, but it's not like it's not like super super violent by any stretch. You know, like I've seen more gory films than this. Well, at that time. Because we're just getting into the entry level of where people were like, yeah, we're about to start showing y'all a bunch of entrails. We're okay. about to start chopping arms off. Like, we are about to get into, like, the hostile level of... And hostile, when you go back and look, it's gross, but it's not as gross as we remember it. It's not... When you look at some other movies, I was like, hmm, hostile was a little tame in comparison to the movies that came after it. But it got into that hardcore stuff that we had going on because when you're thinking about like the 90s yeah it was gore and movies like body melt and some other movies that are oh, like body gooey. body melt's pretty great <laughs> yeah and other movies that are gory and stuff like that but like mainstream big releases that are about to like get bloody like this i feel like going back it's not that blood it's not even that bloody especially because a lot of the blood is not even coming from the human characters they're like cutting arms off of zombie things and stuff like that yeah. and you know that's always counted as something different versus human gore. I that's so surprising. Also, I'm just like really Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. I just don't see it by any stretch. But it sounded like there was actually some real violence on set because Mia Jovovich right hooked Paul Anderson in the face at one point by accident. Uh and then she hurt an additional three other cast and crew members because she did all of her own stunts except for one, which is actually like really cool and impressive. Um, you also have Michelle Rodriguez 
as Rain Ocampo. Uh, she had informed her agent that if anyone wrote a script about Resident Evil, she wanted to be a part of it. Uh, Eric Mabius as Matt Addison. This was originally supposed to be David Boreanaz, aka Angel, what? which I was watching this with my partner Sarah, and she was like, this movie looks like an episode of Angel, so there you go. Okay, like I'm really trying to see it. I, he's a character that I see more. I can see in that role of Matt, but which is crazy because you did also say that Sarah Michelle Gellar was also up for the right. role of Alice, and I just still can't see it. Like I know she was in the graveyards, kicking him in the chest, but I can't see it. They do have that like same haircut where it's like goes straight up, and then it kind of like goes mm -hmm. straight out, and there's like the giant like almost ninety degree like lines between the sides and the top yes and then in addition to that you have james purifoy uh martin cruz colin salmon who dies in the exact same way in alien versus predator heike mccotch michaela dicker as red queen the ai system and uh jason isaacs makes a cameo as an unnamed doctor at the end and uh also found out that the presidents of capcom japan and america make cameos as zombies this is also the movie that Mia Jovovich and Paul Anderson met on, and then they got married and are still married to this day, which is blows my mind that they're still married. Because that's twenty years, bro. Like that. Well, twenty about to be twenty one years. That's we great. going on. That's excellent because you know Hollywood marriages they be together for three, four years and they be breaking up. And I'm like, what do y'all be fighting about? Because most people, like not most people, but a lot of couples fight about money, and y'all got that. So what's the? Uh, it's it's just very funny. Pulled mostly from Wikipedia and IMDb for this. Uh, the movie studio, uh, it's a German studio called Constantine Film, bought the rights to adapt the series in January 1997. Uh, several writers and filmmakers, such as Alan B. McElroy, George Romero, and James Blanks, were initially hired to direct and write the film, but their scripts were rejected. In 2000, Anderson was announced as writer and director. The movie was developed as a prequel uh, set in the same continuity as the video game series that was originally titled Resident Evil Ground Zero, but was retitled after September 11th for obvious reasons. Uh, the cast was announced in early 2001. Principal photography started March 2001 in Berlin. In 1995, Paul Anderson's low-budget film Mortal Kombat became one of the first commercially successful video game adaptations. After playing Resident Evil, Anderson saw its cinematic potential and wrote a script titled Undead, which he described as a ripoff of the game. Bernd Eichinger, head of Constantine Film, was enthusiastic, so Anderson developed it into the script for Resident Evil, and then he was announced in late 2001. Uh, Anderson stated that the film would not include any tie-ins with the video game series as underperforming movie tie-ins are too common and Resident Evil of all games deserved a good celluloid representation. So my takeaway from that is <laughs> that is a brazen ass comment on his part. And number two, he only got this because Mortal Kombat made a hundred million dollars and then was and wrote a ripoff. So he wrote like the worst version of the script and got it because he was financially successful. Virtually all other versions of the original script were more like the game, including George Romero's, which is crazy. I would have loved to see George Romero's version of this because yes. he does undead. Like, he does undead. And it would have been a different flavor of undead because of the science. Like, his other undead movies are, you don't know what's going on with the zombies. This one is specific. Umbrella Corp then put poison people and then got everybody, Raccoon City turned up. I feel like George Romero's would have looked more like the 2021 version you have where there's this town and the residents are slowly mm -hmm. kind of turning where it gives, like, 
like the crazies a bit from the 70s yeah. or 2010. And I I still would have loved to see that because I did I, I enjoyed the 2021. It was a little too long and there were some parts that were a little mm, but the overall setup was not a yeah. problem. The setup was not a problem. I think I read that uh, the proposal or the drafts or the script or something was actually released in 2019. Uh, there's a museum in Pittsburgh that like acquired it. So there's it's out there somewhere. Maybe it'll get turned into like, actually today I just ordered one of the original scripts for Alien 3 was turned into a novel and I picked that up. So I'm pretty interested. It's written by William Gibson who wrote Neuromancer, which is like a seminal uh, tech thriller book from I think the 80s. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me. <laughs> Sarah read it. She said she really liked it or she listened to an audiobook rather. So I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, Interestingly, uh, George Romero had his uh, secretary play the game and videotape it so that he could work on the script for this movie. And then the main actors, when like when they were doing this version, were told to prepare for the film by playing the game too. And some of them didn't know if they could complete it in time, so they had to watch videos of other people doing it. And this is before like Twitch and live streaming. So that means somebody set up a fucking camcorder like in an office somewhere and recorded probably a really shitty quality version of a playthrough of Resident Evil, which is really funny to think about from that. Like people are like, oh, this will never become any kind of monetarily successful thing. Smash cut to now. And you just have everybody using Twitch for whatever they need to do. Yes. That's so wild that this movie kind of, maybe not this movie, but the idea that we're going to watch people play video games right now. Like we're going to, and now this is a thing where, oh, Twitch, YouTube, even on Discord, like everywhere where, oh, I'm going to play anything, any game. It could be Dreamlight Valley. It could be Resident Evil. Because at first, back in the backpack, it was on like Call of Duty and those kind of games. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to watch you play The Sims, which is one of my favorite games. That is so wild that they didn't even, and they probably, it was a throwaway idea. Let's just do it to get from point A to point B. And I'm like, if y'all would have capitalized off of that, Trailblazers. you would have endless, endless Resident Evil movies because you would have endless money. It'd be funny if like one of the actors was like, I I'm leaving. I like the game better and you're doing a bad job. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought, why would you tell them to play the game when the movie is almost nothing like the game at all? Yeah. But needless to say, uh, this movie made $103 million against its $33 million budget. So that's incredibly successful for the time. I'm sure if you adjusted that for inflation, it's probably even more. And the series overall has grossed over a billion dollars, which is insane. <laughs> it's all from Cat. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, that's it. So after the commercial success of this movie, there was the sequel, Resident Evil Apocalypse, which was followed by Extinction, Afterlife, Retribution, and the final chapter. Uh, Anderson did not direct the second or third films because he was making Alien vs. Predator and the remake of Death Race. Okay. Crazy. Just absolutely yeah. fucking crazy. That I want more movies. Cat, please. <laughs> well, you're going to get more movies. You're getting more Yeah, movies. but I want the Alice storyline. Here's the thing, because I got some questions I just because you know I didn't went and did all the things you see me rubbing my head. I got like three questions, like because as the film series goes on, there are so many like spaces where the ball is dropped in terms of like storyline. And then of course in the last movie they're like, oh, are we trying to we trying to put all these together? See, so remember this person from this movie? And I'm like, yeah, but when you're doing it like that, then who was this guy? Like, because you said that that guy was this person that did that. So, <laughs> I'm so they're just, like, they're just trying to make it more unnecessarily complicated 
because they're like, oh, that's what we need, a plot twist everywhere. And it's like, no, people just wanted to see people shooting zombies and giant bugs and and weird dogs and like a giant tongue monster. That's all people wanted. Yeah. All you needed was a lot of rubber and a lot of blood and gore. And instead they're like, we got AIs and now there's a thousand of of Mia Jovovich's running around for some reason. And you know what? We should have known that was how the movie, the series, because I know everybody didn't see all the, um, see the end but we should have known that that's how things were going to end especially when you started seeing all the clone storylines pop in and i'm just like you bitch okay all the clones the world takeover all the random creatures that never existed in the game like how you got zombie crows bro like i'm just trying to understand ashanti ashanti like this is so Oh, that's okay. right. Ashanti yes. does show up in the series. Yes. Right? Random. When? Which movie? Movie three. Movie three. right? Movie With the three. buses yep. and stuff like that. Yeah, Mike Epps and uh, Apocalypse. And then Mike Epps and Ashanti are together. High key, low key, high key in the third movie. And I was like, oh, okay. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's the end of the world, but still. I'm fucking hollering. You gotta go to bed. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I guess we'll get into this movie, and if there's anything else worth noting about the sequels, we'll touch on it at the end. But uh, I had like a, I got this DVD actually, and like uh, I went to a record store in Rochester, New York, and they had like a, you know, you pay like five bucks, you get like ten mystery vinyl, and then you pay like five bucks, you get like five DVDs, and it's like a whole bunch of other shit. So I got like a copy of what? Well, what's that movie? Oh. That is the from back in like Othello? the two- no, it's like oh. with Josh Hartnett. Hold on, let me look it up. It was- yeah, oh, that was supposed to be Othello. Oh, is it? Is it really? But it's like about basketball. Is that what it is? Yes, but it's Oth- It's the same thing, I believe. Okay, all right. It was like that, and then like some lawyer movie that was based on a James Patterson book, and like I think one or two other things, and then. Uh, Resident Evil. And I was like, well, I, I guess I'll be watching this. And it comes in like a cardboard slip. Um, the DVD menu looks like shit. It's really bad, but it's kind of charming. The ads that play before the movie are like, it was like presented in cutting edge 3D. And I'm like, wow, this is what we thought like the height of technology was going to be at 2001 or 2002, whenever this was made. Um, That's a really good find. Yeah, it was, it was just the luck of the draw. So we um, we get this, like, I love these two from this era. We get these, like, digitized briefings about things. Like, I, yes. I love these from these old thrillers, kind of, from this era. And you find out the background, find out about the background of the Umbrella Corporation. And it's far reach across the world. And it's involved in tech and medicine and the military and whatever. Before we slowly zoom in on a scientist working in a biohazard lab, he's moving samples around with robotic arms. They drop some helix-looking tubes into a box before this scientist hurls one of the viral samples against a desk, and it starts leaking out into the umbrella facility. Uh, This entire movie is blue. It's just cobalt blue instead of it being like millennium green like the Matrix. We had to get away from the green, so we went, you know what? steel blue and that was just the color of every movie for like the next three or four years like the ring definitely was blue yes i Um, think the ring might be bluer honestly yeah might be 
a bunch of Dobermans start freaking out. They're in like a test lab uh, before a security camera picks up that there's been a lab. Sarah pointed out that none of these scientists are wearing masks. Also, why are they all models? These are like, this is the best looking scientific staff I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it looks like Hollywood Abercrom scientists. <laughs> Abercrombie and Fitch shoot over here. Or as she pointed out, it looks like they're taking stock photos. Um, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> all hell starts to break loose. Elevators start dropping down the shaft. I don't know another word to use. It's unfortunate. Uh, an entire room gets gassed as well. One of the people in the elevator uh, shaft tries to crawl through the open door, but then gets decapitated when it just turns on again. That was pretty fucking funny. Ah, <laughs> why why do people try to do that? <laughs> Anytime there's a why that was a good idea. Anytime there's a elevator situation, it's always somebody trying to crawl out and you know they're about to get chopped in half. You're not going to make it. If you can't fit like quickly when you first get out, then just, just go ahead and die in the crash because I think your death is going to be worse if you let the elevator cut you in half. It's not even a clean cut, please. There's a movie with Ron Perlman about a killer elevator that I remember watching like 10 minutes of on TV years ago and I'm I want to know what it is because I kind of want to watch it. Is I it was just, it's not down, is it? I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. I, it might be based on the Stephen King story, but I'm not sure. Mm. Wait, I'm thinking down. No, that's a Hulu short. There's uh, the lift. Might be it. I'm not sure. But there's a few. I've seen a few killer elevator movies. There's like four or five of them. <laughs> it is down. Oh, <laughs> Naomi Watts is in this. What the fuck? Surprise. All right. Well, Naomi Watts is in everything. She is. This movie's almost two hours. It's about a fucking killer elevator. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll have to block out a day for that one. Back to Resident Evil, we then cut to Alice, who uh, fell asleep naked, posing for a photo shoot in a uh, rather immaculate looking bathroom. She's covered in scars and bruises, and uh, she's in some kind of real fancy ass uh, mansion, but finds a bunch of guns in a drawer. And uh, so she does what anybody else would do put on a little red dress and uh, explore this place. She finds a picture of herself with, uh, with the man, presumably her husband. It's a wedding picture. And she goes outside where she's startled by some birds and the wind before she gets dragged back inside by a cop. This is Eric Mabius, Matt. And then a bunch of masked commandos breach the building and uh, basically like arrest them. The One of the commandos demands a report. And she said she doesn't know what's going on. And so the, and the cop is like, you can't arrest her. You can't arrest her. And we get this amazing exchange between him and Michelle Rodriguez, who plays Rain. And he goes, you can't do this to me. And she says, blow me. <laughs> she, I mean, this came out right around the same time as Fast and the Furious, also a mm -hmm. super early 2000s movie. And like, ah, oh man, I don't know. Her and Eric Babius are so terrible in this movie. Like, I know this is not a movie that you watch for the acting, but like, they're pretty awful in this. I, I support her. Up. I support yep. her in this movie. I don't care. I support her. <laughs> I, the line delivery, I think it's the cheesy action movie. It's always the one-liner. The Oh, she always looks like she's brooding. Like, mm, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. I'm like, oh, this is her in like eight different movies, mind you. Yes. They love to put Michelle Rodriguez in some kind of action movie with a gun. And she's always the tough girl. Yeah. I mean, between this and Fast and the Furious, like, although I, I don't think she came back for any of the other movies, if, if memory serves she, correct. Oh, no, yes, she's she back. She's, she's back, back in Resident Evil. Uh -huh. Yes. Okay. All right. 
<laughs> in one movie, she's playing two different characters at the same time. Oh yep. my god, that's that's ridiculous. Let's um, get it. <laughs> I, you know what? I believe it. I honestly believe it. I will say her like weird delivery though, it is better than I mean Eric Mavius. We were just like, God, this guy sucks. He's just so blah. And his his neck is so long and he's just an odd looking dude. I don't know. Not a fan. The commandos take Alice and Matt into the sub levels of the building to restore the power. Um, but there being no power, the set is awfully well lit. And uh, Rain hears something while plugging some cables back together uh, before they board a train, like a full-on freight train, not even like a little tramline thing, just like a full train. We were both like, why is there a train? <laughs> Umbrella Company got money. They got money. They got a whole subway just for them. Their logo yep. is also on everything. Everything. Like a box, umbrella. Train, umbrella. Uh, plunger, umbrella. Like just yeah. everywhere. They probably money sell that yeah, they mm -hmm. probably selling all that stuff and they probably making money. It reminds me of like Johnson and Johnson or something. They got money in everything. Mm -hmm. PNG. It, yeah, it's it's medicine, but they also making baby powder and you know just baby diapers and stuff. They making everything, and it also reminds me of Possessor. If y'all seen that that big company yes. that they make all these weapons, but then they also have like toys. <laughs> they have yes. I'm like, oh y'all, y'all they run deep, so they can afford anything. Money's never the option. If they want to buy a whole island, they could buy a whole island. They could just do it. It reminds me of the episode of The Simpsons where uh, Springfield gets nuked, and when the nuclear missile gets launched, it says Intel Inside on the side. And I was like, yeah, it's basically that. They open up a, a door once they get down into the facility and the uh, assumedly dead body of James Purifoy or Spence falls out. And this triggers Alice's memories of their marriage. If I didn't mention before, she doesn't remember anything. She's amnesic. And she starts remembering Umbrella Corps on the inside of her ring before oh, he's actually not dead. He wakes up. So they go to uh, gain entry to lower levels. Alice gets debriefed again on who she is. She like works for Umbrella and they're, these commandos are trying to infiltrate the Umbrella facility known as the Hive, which is this huge beehive-shaped deep-level facility beneath a mansion in Raccoon City. I just need to point out how much I love that the city is called Raccoon City. Uh, it's just something I've always loved about the Resident Evil series. It's such a weird video game thing. But like, who would seriously name a place Raccoon City? And if they ever did... I would a thousand percent support it. Like, I just, I love how charming the name is where it's like, why is this city called Raccoon City? Really? Were there a lot of raccoons? I don't remember raccoons being part of any part of the Resident Evil lore. No, no, it's just a random, but you know what? When you start looking at those small tail names, they have some wild, ridiculous names. Just like Willacoochee, Georgia. Isn't Willacoochee a place in Georgia? <laughs> Willacoochee. So it's like, a it's like That's positing scary. a question. That's incredible. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, small town names are kind of the best. And the 3D map of it is just like PS1 graphics, which again is kind of charming for the time. Uh, we find out that the nerve gas that was leaked into the mansion was done so purposefully by the AI because there was an attack uh, and, and it went into a security mode. So the commandos are here to clean it up and Alice and Spence uh, are part of the Umbrella staff. The cop has something going on with Alice. The Hive is uh, controlled by this powerful AI called the Red Queen. And it actually turns out that it like went kind of like, they, they kind of like, oh, it went rogue, but like it didn't actually go rogue. There was a reason why I killed the staff. 
uh, the commandos are there to clean it up and find out like who was responsible for the leaking of the uh, of the virus. Uh, more of Alice's memories are triggered, but Spence, he's just like playing dumb, very suspect. Uh, and Matt is just like everything. He's just like such a fucking goofball. He's alarmed by everything. He's just like his eyes are bugging out the whole time. He's like, oh, you know, just acting like a real dolt. But they do have this kind of cool scene where they go through like the cubicles that are all like airlock tight and they're filled with water and it's floating with a bunch of corpses and obviously one of them wakes up. And it was like, at this point, I honestly felt like the movie, it feels a little more 90s than it does 2000s to me in a weird way. Like it's kind of grainy and it's all made on like very obvious sets. And there's just like a lot of weird standing around and awkward posturing. So it has like the kind of feel of like a direct to video 90s movie that got wide release, like, and just got, happened to have like extra budget for like some, some pretty decent special effects actually that pop up along the way. I definitely um, can see that. But also I feel that way about a lot of movies that come out in like the zero one two year of like any mm -hmm. decade. They always have the influence from the past decade attached to it. Because if you watch movies from like 1980, they still feel kind of 70s a yes. little bit. Or if you go to something that's even 88, 89, it's going to lean into, it's going to feel like a movie from 1990. They're going to be linked like those kind of movies. They're going to drag along the past decade and then it comes into its own. Usually around mm -hmm. 04, 05 is where we get like hardcore, oh no, this is what the early odds is. Boom. Yeah, you can kind of like, I've been watching the Rocky movies and how like Rocky 3 came out in the 80s, but it's not an 80s movie like Rocky 4 is, which is like, holy Jesus Christ. So the group finally gets down to the main entrance of the hive and this is like one of the scenes of the movie. Uh, the commando leader, Colin Salmon, walks down this very dark hallway, which suddenly lights up. And then as they're trying to like hack their way in, the defense system activates after he attempts entry. And the defense system is this like laser beam array that just slices, excuse me, slices and dices everybody up, including him, where he's basically turned into a pile of meat cubes. <laughs> Poor him. That, I ain't never seen no shit like that before in my life. When when you see the eyes start leaking, I said, oh no, oh no. Mm -hmm. he, Oh, he's turning into little small diamond meats. Oh, please. <laughs> and I was like, he was cut, like, he was surviving too. He was like lifting up, ducking mm -hmm. down, getting off to the side. I was like, oh, he about to make it. The, the computer said, oh, you thought you were slick. Bitch, I'm oil. Got him up with the uh, crosses. Wow. Like, that's what really scared me about this movie. Like, it was just like, okay, so before we even get to the actual dead people showing up in full force, the computer is getting y'all together. And everyone's like, like you said, no, they're going crazy. No, y'all should have all died. You've entered the facility. So technically, you've also inhaled the air. You all are also infected, technically. So y'all got to die. I didn't told y'all y'all can't go upstairs. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> and it tries to stop them before they go down. The computer, they was like, oh, it's going haywire. The computer was like, girl, no, I'm not. I was programmed. It's a computer. Someone programmed the computer to do this. And it's like, look, something splash. We can't let it go up top. I don't know why y'all even trying to explore, baby. I got footage. I can show you what happened. I don't know what. You don't need to go down there. I killed everybody to keep this shit contained. Don't go down here. And they say, girl, we're about to do it anyway. Fuck you. Did not read. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it is crazy that there's just like, 
I don't even think we're, we're, I mean, the movie's about like 90-ish minutes and we're, I don't even know if this is like 30 minutes yet, but it's decent enough in the movie and no zombies, no monsters, just like this horrible slice and dice laser system that is just fucking hilarious. And like, they do the thing too. There's a lot of like, um, there is some pretty like good gore and I I kind of do think they pull it off with the CG kind of to enhance and whatnot. Like one of the commandos gets like her head chopped off and it just kind of goes and you just see like the full like exposed like meat and bone and it's like kind of like a lightsaber. It like just cauterizes it so there's no like bleeding bleeding. So it's it's a ridiculous scene uh, that like it feels very much like we said kind of tied into like that Matrix style thing where they're like we need people to be able to do this. Zombies aren't like super, aren't that cool anymore. Yeah, it is quite the scene, and I think there's actually a reference to it in Resident Evil Four. Like there's a part where you go down a hallway and you have to like dodge a bunch of like lasers coming at you, and I'm like this is a weird thing to reference because I feel like for I I just feel like the people who make the Resident Evil games are like, ah, those movies. Eh. That's just they what have I nothing to do. They have nothing to do with the games. And of course, a lot of people do not like the Resident Evil movies, especially if they were hardcore fans of any of the games. And they play, especially if they play the games now, they're like, these movies are so stupid. And I'm like, but they're so good. <laughs> they're okay, so kind of good but before they turn the games into like more like horror movie actual like kind of like more like slow methodical kind of like take, take that alien isolation influence like the game's plots were just as stupid as the movies <laughs> they're ridiculous like there's a in the fifth game you fight in a volcano you can't do that in real life like you punch a boulder and it moves that doesn't make sense <laughs> You right. It does to me. I'm not my head. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Let's get it. It's like, I mean, I let them put sharks in tornadoes. You think yep. you think I care that they fight it? Y'all would be ashes. Okay. Y'all would die from the fumes and heat. What are you talking about? Let's get it. Anyway. Also, the movie's on in the background. It's 40 about 40 minutes in until we start dealing with zombies full time. Like, you know, outside minutes. of the ooh, water zombie. But when we get to the part of the um when they're all in the, the the room with the different enclosed cages and the tubes, and it's like I'm on the fog machine, so the fog is cranking up on the floor, like it's crazy in there. That's yeah, we're at, yeah, we're actually just about to get there right now. Um, Alice and and Spence and the two remaining commandos, uh, so that's Rain and uh, Kaplan, uh, continue on with the mission of destroying uh, the Red Queen, and they're going to use an EMP generator. While sending it up, the Red Queen projects itself as this young hologram of a girl, which looks fucking hilarious. I know that it's supposed to be just a hologram, but just the graphics of the time, it just has this like really doughy face. It's really funny. And it says they're all going to die before they activate the EMP. And in doing so, this wakes up all of the squishy, gross things. The doors open, and then all of the dead people start coming back to life. So Rain encounters a zombie and gets bit set to like this really weird music that's just like just like somebody going crazy on the casio over there they shoot the zombie dead at this point i noted that michelle rodriguez just looked like she's on drugs in this movie she's just like droopy eyed and looking up at everything she's just like and then the rest of the zombies show up and start attacking also one of the like containment units explode for some reason and this triggers another memory of alice's where we find out that 
she actually has access to the security of the hive and they all try to escape, but more zombies attack. And I actually don't think the zombies look so bad. I think they actually look pretty decent. I found out that during production, they hired professional dancers to star as zombies because they had better control of their movements, which made me think that that's probably what they did for Train to Busan, right? Those had to be dancers, like the way that the people were moving in that movie. Possibly, but they had to be break so. dancers because yeah. the way they was breaking, like they were doing like bone breaking moves, like the bones were twisting upside. They were like, I, and let me tell y'all something. Now I wouldn't survive most zombie movies. I'm going to start here. Okay. But I would have a better chance of maybe surviving in Raccoon City versus Train to Busan. I would be dead in the first 10 okay. minutes in Train to Busan. The zombies are running full mm -hmm. speed. They are sprinting. And then if they break their ankle, they keep running. Uh, no, no. Give me the shamblers, please. Shamblers for 100. Thank you. I'm definitely a shambling zombie fan as opposed to the running ones. Same. Anyway, uh, much of the undead appearances were accomplished through makeup while their movements was were more of a, a laissez-faire approach because Anderson told the actors to move however they thought a zombie would, which is kind of cool. I like that he gave the actors like kind of freedom to do that. While filming, or sorry, this is like the actual writing. Whilest filming, there was a shortage of manpower where the available dancers uh, were not enough to represent the required number of undead. So some of the Capcom executives and several of the producers agreed to make appearances as zombies. Uh, we also finally get to a real Resident Evil monster, the Licker. Apparently uh, the Licker's uh, like actual prop was nicknamed Clint on set. Uh, and this thing claws its way out of a containment unit and escapes uh, as a very bad CGI monster blob and uh, doesn't show up for a little while. But that's okay, because then we get to this, another classic Resident Evil enemy. Uh, Alice wanders into the kennel where the dogs were, and she bumps into the zombie dogs, which I really like the zombie dogs in this. I think they actually look really cool. Uh, they're really bloody and slimy, and they're covered in, like, ripped-up skin. Apparently the makeup department and crew had a hard time dealing with the dogs because they kept licking the zombie makeup and the blood and the meat off themselves, which is kind of funny. But yeah, I really like the way these things look. And even when there's like a whole pack of them and they kind of like CGI, like copy pasted them in, I didn't really care that much. And then one of the dogs chases Alice into the room where she is uh, attacked by a zombie. So she magically knows karate. And not only does she spin kick the zombie dead, but then she uh, spin kicks the zombie dog, which I think we all remember that from the trailer. Put them feet to work. You better move them sticks, girl. Like she's like, chow, chow. That the amnesia started to like fade away. She like, you know, there's always an action movie trope where someone has amnesia or something, but then they get into Especially a situation. Now, like in yeah, this that time period. Mm -hmm. That triggers their uh, memory to start fighting back. Oh, I know how to fight. I don't, I don't know who I am, but I know martial arts. Are you sure? Yeah, this is like the part where the Nine Inch Nails song, and like I think probably the only reason why a bunch of Nine Inch Nails fans went to like, oh man, I can't wait to hear Fist Fuck while it uh, plays when this lady kicks a dog, and, and that's it. And uh, that's how this movie made a hundred million dollars. There's a whole bunch of other fucking dogs too, um, which she kills with a pistol. So yeah, just. Kicking that fucking dog. Hilarious meat slap of a noise. Great. She trained for three months to do that. You trained three months wow. to fucking spin kick a, an undead dog off a wall. Paid off. 
It did. And you know, all that training, since she probably continued to do her stunts, because she's like in all of the movies, except for the new one, I'm sure she was like, yeah, I'm about to parkour. Woo! Just start doing this stuff, jumping off walls, kicking everything. I enjoyed that. So Matt, the uh, cop, snoops around in the uh, umbrella offices, and he winds up bumping into the zombie version of this woman, Lisa, who was uh, the contact for Alice. And she's also his sister. Um, after she gets killed in like barely audible dialogue, the ADR in this movie is really weird and, and generally not great. Mia Jovovich performed this in her, nor in her like normal accent. She's uh, Ukrainian and she didn't like the way it sounded. So she ADR'd every single one of her lines in this movie to do more of the like low register kind of like, I don't know, badass presentation. So that might explain why the ADR is so odd in this movie. But we find out that there's facilities like the Hive all across the globe. And uh, Matt sent his sister undercover to infiltrate Umbrella because he thought he was going to get discovered. He's obviously a really bad spy if that's what he's, uh, if that's like what he decided to do because she just wound up getting killed because of this. And they're trying to expose all of the shitty things that Umbrella have done, like specifically like the illegal viral research. And Matt is completely unaware of the fact that, you know, couldn't possibly be Alice that is the contact. Dumbass. Um, like how you don't know who your contact is? Like, a clue or something? Like, you don't know what's going on? Also, y'all made it worse. You trying to expose Umbrella. Now look at what you did. And, like, you know, it couldn't possibly be the woman who just did fucking, like, parkour off a wall to kill a fucking evil dog. You know what I mean? It couldn't possibly be her. Anyway, I noted here that during one of the... Uh, cgi map sequences that there's like literally like a movie runtime we're at like an hour three when this thing pops up i thought that was kind of funny uh the commandos say that the mission uh has like gone to shit and because of that umbrella is just going to sink the facility and kill everybody all dead to cover it up alice opts to turn the red queen back on to get more answers and the hologram girl tells us how the t-virus works and how it mutates the body and how, like, the reason why the undead are, like, trying to kill them is that they're basically driven by the most basic of needs. The need to feed. That's a real line in this movie. <laughs> yes, it is. It just also came one in the background. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what incredible timing. She's like, the need to feed. Then he opens his eyes. I'm like, yeah! They're alive! Poor JD. Wasn't that the Chef Boy RD logo? Just like, feed the need. Yes! <laughs> it was. Did they sponsor wow. this? Paul Anderson was like, that's a good line. I'm going to put it in the movie. No one's going to know. They go into the sewers to escape, but obviously more zombies attack. Going into the sewers is never a good idea, whether it's in a video game or a movie. Nothing good happens in the sewers. Uh, Alice kills one with her thighs, which is kind of amazing. And uh, Rain recognizes one of the zombies. Was it? I, I guess it was one of the commandos. Maybe that's what it was. I didn't pick up on it. It was JD. Story. Okay. The one she and, was real close with. And she gets bitten again, <laughs> just, just second time. Most of the time, one person like gets bit by a zombie and then they turn or they kill themselves. No, she just keeps getting bit and keeps on living. 
Maybe it was a drug she took before she started the movie, you know, because she was always <laughs> trying to stay holding off the infection a little bit. I definitely noticed that. And at first, I think because she gets bit in the hand. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe it might. Sometimes the, the virus travels slower if you get bit in the extremities versus like the neck or somewhere else. But I feel like before she actually turns, she gets bit like several times. I'm like, bro, how how you eating all these bites? <laughs> She's just tough, man. She's Michelle Rodriguez. You don't fuck around with her. Maybe it's like an actual video game. You know, when you get bit like a million times, you like, so eventually I'm going to turn. And they're like, nah, your health just goes down a little bit. You're okay. <laughs> you look a little sick, but you're she all gets right. Some of those, uh, she gets some of those herbs from the game. She's like, oh, exactly. I only did like a partial health re- uh, revive. <laughs> you spray it in the air. Shh. Please spray on me. That's what I'm thinking. I'm playing. Oh, I didn't have enough room in my carrying case to pick up the health packs. Uh, I just, and, and you know, like not to go too far ahead, but when you eventually find out like, okay, so it back in the memories, there's like an antivirus. Oh, so we can like take the antivirus. I'm like, no, I think it's too late for you. I think you're too far gone. Maybe someone who was bit like once, because by the time we, we get to this point, you've been bit like five times, bro. You are dead. It's like all the people are like, oh my God, I have like five cases of COVID. Give me the antidote. We're like, we can't do that. Then you'll have six. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they climb over a bunch of pipes to escape the zombies. And Kaplan winds up falling down on the pipes because it like detaches and breaks. And he gets swarmed uh, as Alice jumps to safety. And he winds up distracting the zombies so the others can escape. They kind of do like this fake out suicide thing where he's going to like blow his brains out, but then he doesn't. He just kills a zombie and uh, he actually manages to come back. Uh, But also the liquor is following them. And Alice uh, starts having flashbacks to the Umbrella Lab before the outbreak. And this is where she learns about the cure that we just mentioned. It was tested on a bunch of rabbits. And this is where we learn that blue means bad and green means good. So the uh, antidote is green. Uh, Matt asks how she knows all this, and she reveals that she was the contact um, because what they were trying to, this was all part of the exposure plan for uh, Umbrella. And I'm like, this is a weird way to present this plot. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, did she really need to be amnesic? Also, how did, okay, maybe the Red Queen was like, let me knock you out. Because if you forget, maybe you'll just leave the house and mind your business and just go to Target or something. You're not about to go down. get on the train because if you woke up and you know that you work for umbrella of course you would go down but also if it's locked in the train you're in control of everything why would you even let the train go down into the come on come on i don't know what's going on like it's like sometimes you're trying to stop them but then sometimes you're not you there's too many loopholes for them to get down there to begin with also no one should be getting like you should the plan should be Hey, Red Queen, this is what happened. Don't go down, call for reinforcements. You can literally tell her what happened. Please. (laughs) So Alice uh, explores the flooded lab while we uh, go to the club with this like fucking insane music uh, playing right now. And here we find out that this is when Spence, uh, James Purifoy's character, released the T-virus into the hot and he walked out with the samples. Um, so there's he's doing something for somebody and uh, there's just a lot of there's a lot of players in this there's a lot of complicated side motives going on in this movie which is like kind of surprising but also like kind of in line with the games because there's a lot of different angles being worked in those for 
some reason that's really just about a game that should be about fighting zombies. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, he holds them all at gunpoint. He's like, oh, the T-virus is worth so much. Uh, it should be noted that um, this guy's British and is really good at playing fucking like sleazy pieces of shit. Um, but he does a pretty decent American accent. Uh, a zombie conveniently uh, rises out of the water to attack him and bites him, but he still manages to escape. But thankfully, the Red Queen comes online and says he won't because... I've been a bad, bad girl. That's what the AI says. I should I should try to find a clip of that and, and drop it in. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> Definitely some action hero line. Yeah. What? It's like they, they like, wrote that and said, that's the, that's the line. They said yes. I've been a bad girl. <laughs> uh, Spence goes to inject himself with the antidote because he was bit, but then the liquor shows up and CGI's him to death. And after it eats some of his blood it then mutates further into a hunter monster which i'm pretty sure this is not what the hunters looked like in resident evil because what it turns into is like it looks like the liquor which has like big claws and like a brain head and a big tongue obviously and just sort of looks like a i don't really know what it looks like just sort of like a just imagine like sort of a frog crossed with a zombie i guess sort of thing and then it turns into a I don't know, like a meaty, skinless, blind, saber-toothed tiger sort of thing. I don't know. The hunters, from what I recall, had like big claws and kind of looked more humanoid and also kind of reptilian. I don't know. It's yeah. very weird. It's definitely some like creative. They look reptilian. They look like something you would see off of Dungeons and Dragons a little bit. Because I literally Googled the picture and I was like, oh yeah, this looks like a reptile that can walk like a lizard man straight up. When it's like the big prosthetic monster, like it doesn't look bad. It actually looks kind of cool. It's just definitely not what the hunter was. The Red Queen demands uh, Rain's life in exchange for an access code so that everybody can escape. The hunter arrives and tries to break in. Alice goes to kill Rain, but she winds up just plunging this fire axe into some machinery. And then it turns out that Kaplan is still alive and he's actually cut the power to the Red Queen. So they all manage to get out. The hunter breaks in, they jump on the train, they find Spence's body. Surprise, he's a zombie. He's got glowing blue eyes for some reason and uh, they kill him. On the train, Alice injects Rain with the antivirus, but she still thinks she's going to turn and asks her to kill her when it comes to, which there's this ridiculous moment where she like fake dies and then comes back and she's like, I'm not dead yet. And she's like, oh my God, Rain, I could kiss you. And I was like, you don't know each other. Also, like, first of all, she just been infected. You should not be that close. Second of all, why are we waiting for her to turn? Just kill her. Like, if you really bow to Rain, just go ahead and die. Just go ahead and die. What you need the extra five minutes for? So you can they should have left her on the platform. <laughs> Seriously, they should have left her on the platform and they should have rolled off because you know you're infected. There's no reason for you to come above ground at all. We already see what's going on down here. And you said that you feel like you're going to die. They should have stopped the train. They should have pushed the button. Next stop. See you later. The hunter winds up attacking the train, kills Kaplan, like drags him out of the fucking cockpit, and then uh, tries to kill Matt before Alice shoots it in the head. And then he rams it with a bunch of metal piping that's hanging in a net from the ceiling for some reason. I don't know. It's just there. 
Rain is finally a zombie and tries to kill Matt. He shoots her, which causes her body to hit a door open button and the hunter drops through the floor and then is immolated as it's dragged against the tracks for movie reasons. Doesn't really make a lot of sense, but hey, it's dead. Alice and Matt finally escape the mansion where he starts to succumb to his wounds. He got attacked by the hunter. And then a bunch of hazmat guys show up that Alice can't defeat for some reason. And they take away Matt, who is starting to mutate further. And one of them says, we got to put him in the nemesis program. Alice gets taken to the Raccoon City uh, medical facility while a uh, mysterious uh, disembodied voice demands answers about what happened at the hive. Alice wakes up in some kind of medical room. She's all tubed up. She rips all of these out and then falls on the floor. And you can see a lot in this scene. Like we were watching the movie and Sarah just was like, oh my God, you can literally see her private parts. Well, she was out here. I'm free. Listen. <laughs> I mean, she ain't got no clothes on, you know, but it doesn't feel like that kind of, you know, where there's like, ooh, look, I'm showing taint. Like, it's not like, ooh, I'm like bending over. It's just like, no, she fell out the tube and she's like, girl, this is just what you see. It's just kind of funny that like, I watched this when I was like 12 and didn't pick up on this at all. And now that I'm like 32, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> it's just surprising given this movie. <laughs> Nobody probably caught it. But also, like Jan said, like, if it's not, it's easy to go over your head because she's not being sexualized in any way. It's very much, oh, man, like a medical, somebody woke up, they gown is kind of on them. You could kind of peek at the side, but only because she tumbled to the floor. Other than that, like, somebody watching her. That's really what I'm staring at. Y'all watching her, but somebody else is watching her, too, and we don't know who the hell it is. Well, according, uh, according to, like, what happened, that, like, this early version of the script she was supposed to be buck naked like no clothes on walks outside naked and then you know here's all the monsters in raccoon city and they changed this because i guess they just thought it like made a little bit more sense in addition to uh, this paul anderson made some later drafts where instead of the hospital alice was held captive inside some facility very similar to the one where she is interrogated by Jill Valentine in retribution before escaping due to power failure, whatever they, they, I guess they recycled that for later on in the series, but yeah, she was supposed to be like a lot more naked basically and said like, I don't really want to do this. So props to her, but needless to say, she, uh, she does have a cool like side buzz cut now and she is being monitored by somebody who, this is like the weird Jason Isaacs cameo that he doesn't actually show up in any of the other movies as this character. Um, we don't know who it is. And she hacks her way out of the medical room with a bloody needle. I don't really know how this works, but she somehow gets outside of the Umbrella facility and to Raccoon City, which has been destroyed. She pulls a shotgun out of a car and we hear a bunch of like undead monsters approaching. Uh, yes. And that's where the movie ends. I kind of love that part. Because it's like, first of all, you're setting up the sequel. <laughs> like, but it's a good setup because okay, your mission failed. Y'all supposed to, I mean, y'all supposed to find out what happened. You find out what happened, but your mission it did not connect well with the Red Queen's mission. Her mission was to keep everything contained. If y'all would have never went down there, you might have been safe. And we're not even sure if you would have been safe because anytime there is some kind of zombie outbreak and we try to contain it, or any kind of virus and you try to contain it, something 
something, whether it's a drop of water, one person not listening, whether the gas go into another room and it break open and it come out. Because even thinking about trying to keep it down, those liquors, you couldn't even keep them in a container. They just would have tore their way through everything. And all it takes is for them to come out the sewers and bust the little thing open. It's airborne. You hear Apparently there were a few different versions of the ending in which Matt does turn into a monster, not Nemesis, because that's what he winds up turning into in sequels, and then encounters Alice when she wakes up. In one version, uh, he has completely lost his memory and corners her in a room where she wakes up, and it would have cut to credits, leaving it ambiguous as to what happened in another draft. Uh, he helps Alice to get out of the facility and lets her escape on her own. In another draft, they stay together. The ending, which they almost went with, had both Alice and Matt being captured by Umbrella, but are released from their facility by another AI called the White Queen after the T-Virus spreads throughout the world. And in this draft, which can be found and read online, ended with Alice and Matt becoming lovers and driving in armored camper vehicles across deserted roads. However, only one alternate ending that was scripted was actually filmed, and it was a sequel bait ending where Alice escapes from Umbrella and then months later goes back to rescue Matt. Paul Anderson ultimately cut this as he felt it didn't fit with the tone of the film and eventually went with the final theatrical ending because he liked the bleakness of Alice surviving one nightmare only to wake up to another one. I'm very shocked by how many levels this movie had, like <laughs> for how kind of like mundane it kind of is. But they didn't really do away with the endings that you're talking about, though, because you see the White Queen in later films. So you they see just everything. wind up repurposing. They brought it back in something else. Exactly. Like, okay, although we didn't see Alice go look for Matt, movie two is literally Alice going, oh, shit, I'm going through this again. But right where movie one left off, we finna go find Matt. We're going to mm -hmm. figure out what is going on here, and we're we about to kick him. Umbrella the chest. And yeah, yeah you do <laughs> Kick him. Umbrella the chest. We do find Matt. <laughs> I just I don't know, but yeah, they they um when we get oh, fuck it's a, it's another guy, but he basically ultimately is the person who is orchestrating all this shit, um and he has in his lab the white uh, the white queen, and this is happening at the same time as we know the red queen to exist, um so I'm just like okay, how many different AIs are going on in here, guys? Like, <laughs> what's going on? So um yeah, my my overall thoughts of this were like. I remember really like kind of like begrudgingly admitting like, Oh, it's like one of the, it's like fine. Or like, I think the movie is like, if it weren't resident evil, I think it could have passed for like kind of a more fun 2000s action thriller. I think it's kind of actually weighed down by the fact that it's a resident evil movie because it's just, it's just so far away from what Resident Evil, I think, like, could have been and I think would work as a movie. But, you know, it it does have some good sets and some cool monsters. I think really, like, the thing that undermines it the most is that the acting is really fucking bad in this movie. <laughs> like, that's pretty much the thing that kind of does it for me where I'm like, oh, my God, this is really, really, really not good acting. But I do also think you could do a lot worse. And I have watched worse movies than this. Oh, I, I too have watched work. That's why I'm like, when people be like, it's bad. I'm like, what's the level of bad? Is it like... This movie's um, harmless. Okay. Because like, there are some movies where it's, it ruins the script or it's so bad. It's like, dang, this is almost unwatchable. Wow. This one's not unwatchable. Because you said, but I don't, I don't even remember the bad acting. I remember the lasers and the kicking people in the chest and the oomph, oomph, rock and roll, like new, new metal music. That's what I remember. <laughs> 
one thing that I did think was pretty funny though was that according to Mia Jovovich on the Blu-ray and DVD commentary that on the last day of filming, it was a crew member's birthday. So they brought a bunch of uh, champagne to the set and Paul Anderson was worried that the cast and crew would drink too much, but they said, no, we're just going to have a glass and no more. And uh, they didn't, they got fucking drunk while filming the final scene of the movie, which might explain why Michelle Rodriguez looks the way she does in the movie. That's funny. Okay. Uh, the German version of this movie is infamous amongst fans because apparently it has a terrible dub. And I guess it goes by the name. Oh, the, some of the, because of the bad dubbing, some people refer to it as the porno synchro. I don't really know what that means, but that's what it's known as. Uh, the German version of this movie is known as porno synchro. Germany is a place. It is, um, but bad dubbing doesn't always deter me because I'm a fan of Italian horror. So let's just start yeah, there, okay? I will I will sit through the bad dubbing if the if it's ridiculous enough or it's entertaining enough. I kind of want to see it now. Uh, the stupidest IMDb trivia I read was uh, the final fate of the Matt character is known to fans of the games and to those who watch the sequel. I don't know what that means. That is that is a. a that is a nothing statement if I've ever read one. Uh, the current score for this movie is a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I don't know. It seems a little harsh, honestly. Like, I, I think it's a 50. <laughs> yeah, I would go with a 50. And I'm going with a 60%. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm going with a 60. And our cat is looking at me like, what are you talking about, 80%? I'm sitting, okay, so this this movie is at least a seven, seven out of 10, 70%, but I wasn't going to give it my score because my score does not match up with the score I think should look like on the paper. So here we go. Apparently this, this was uh, one of Roger Ebert's most hated films of uh, his reviewing count. career. Uh, he, in his review, he described it as a zombie movie set in the 21st century where large metallic objects make crashing noises just by being looked at. That's a thing that happens. And also criticized the dialogue as being a series of commands and explanations. Okay. Well, oh well. That's fair. Bye, but Roger. also Roger Ebert is a hater. He is a professional hater. And I don't like that he's a professional hater. Because sometimes movies are ridiculous, but you have to also think about the purpose of the movie. It's it's not to always make sense. It's not to be like I don't like things that are always set and like that are very realistic all the time. If it's I like that the ridiculous noises are made because you look at it or this don't make no sense or the sound effects are very chaotic. I like that. I think it's fun. He don't like to have fun and it shows. I mean and I'm saying this because I'm biased. Like he fucking like hates the original Godzilla movie, and is just I'm like, you know, he doesn't really understand. He's like, oh, it's a like a big man in a suit. It looks fake. Blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, I know, but also like the movie's a lot smarter than you think it is. It is, and it's a commentary on the stuff that y'all did. You know what? I'm exactly. sure he's aware. Why. Yeah, that's like I'm sure he's aware that that's you're you're for you to be someone who has. Oh, all I mean, these, he is dead. <laughs> I mean, well, yes, but during this time, like for you to be someone who has had all these things and all these experiences and seen all these films, you're very aware of what you're saying when you made that point. When he was with us, I very much did not enjoy his reviews. Like, I just felt like, as Jasmine said, they were just rooted in hateration. Like someone who's really not just giving it a chance. Like you're wasting you're wasting your time. Because you I pulled saw up some, and already I saw like, some I hate fucking it. heinous movies based on her, his reviews, like awful fucking movies. And I'm not even talking like horror movies that I know are like kind of goofy. Mm -hmm. And I'm going and like really be like, oh, this is a great dramatic movie. Amazing. And I'm like, this movie fucking blows. Yeah. And then I just even 
with uh, Rotten Tomatoes and things like that, some movies have like these 90% or these 100% or these high ratings. And then you go back and watch them. And I'm like, well, who is the audience? And this is why y'all need more diverse reviewers because you got these old stuffy white men up here going, this movie's good, this movie's bad. Who the fuck made you king? Fucking the nerds. Um, <laughs> but you know what? In uh, defense of this movie, uh, James Cameron has said that Resident Evil is one of his biggest guilty pleasures, apparently. So there's that. Okay. You got James Cameron, a fan of Resident Evil. Somebody so, knows. So yeah, that's, uh, I mean, so that's Resident Evil. Uh, I haven't seen any of the sequels. You know, I'll, I'll turn over to our resident expert on the series. Kat, like, what do you make of the rest of the movies? Are are they, are they worth my time? Uh, are they heavy metal? Are they, are or are they just fucking balls of the walls madness? I think they're balls of the walls madness. I think, um, here's the real thing. I feel like this film series gets a bunch of shit and a bunch of flack by the same people who are still tuning into Fast and the Furious films. So I'm just like, hey, hey, yeah, here we go. See, exactly. So I think if I we can like give that film series so a chance, but, but that's the same thing here. Like at one point, we all have to accept they're not going to look like the video games. They didn't look like the video games in movie one. So we're going to accept that. You guys need to accept that. And I do recognize and understand that people are going to be pissed because in the follow-up movies, it's like, Adding on to the chaoticness of this main story that's created, they flesh it out. They close up a lot of loose ends. There are a couple points where, like, some of the story doesn't make sense. I personally am not turned off by the random throw-ins of people from the video games. I do understand why people get upset by that because they're like, oh, man, like, it continues to feel like a slap in the face. They're not even trying. And I'm like, bro, just, just get into the camp and the chaoticness. That's it. They're throwing these people at you so y'all will shut the fuck up and you just keep getting louder. Just look at the man with the axe. Just, he's not going to look like a video game. And if you want it to be the video game, just turn the movie off and go play the video game. Exactly. Like, they've already set the tone with the first one where you're not getting the video game, so stop complaining about it. This is just not for you and that's okay. Also, I feel like the tone across the movies changes. Like, the first one, very action. Boo, yeah pull on that early, not early, but pull on 90s action movies. The second one is silly. The second one has a lot of comedy mixed in, especially with Mike Epps. He's comedic relief often. The third one, it's still some comedy, but not as much. And then when you get to like those fourth or fifth films, they kind of drop a lot of the comedy off and make it way more serious. Um, but then they start doing like more clones and all kinds of ridiculous. The plot just really gets to like, yeah, it's six of everybody. Everybody got a clone. It seems like they knew that as long as we made this movie series the complete antithesis of what the games are, people are still going to go see them just to like hate on them, but they also make a fuckload of money. Which is usually the goal of most movies because yep. people get mad at things that are cash grabs, but this is people's jobs. I need people to understand, yes, film's supposed to be art, but these are people's jobs. They are trying to get a return. That is the, because if they don't get a return, they not making no more movies. That's just what it is. So people have to mm -hmm. get away from the, you're yeah, doing this to make money. All of them are. What are you talking about? They're yeah, all trying to get, yes, they all trying to either make money or get acclaim, which ties into money and popularity. They're not making it because they're trying to do just art unless it's a super indie film. These are big releases, baby. They trying to get their money back and that's what they're doing. So if they gonna get their money back by you hate watching the film, they're gonna do it again. They're gonna keep doing it. Just like people who post the articles or make headlines to piss everyone off because guess who's gonna click? Everybody who's pissed off. Yep. Yeah, it is It is really funny to think like people get like really like worked up about these movies and like I think years ago I used to like be like, oh, this movie, these movies are garbage. And I'm like, you know what? They are 
probably like for me, like maybe they're not like good, but like they're giant big budget Hollywood productions. Like they're, they're made for this purpose. They're made to make money. Like that's what we make. A lot of movies get made for that reason. It, it might shock you. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I think people forget that, that like, this is an industry. Industry is driven by like making money and capitalism. Like that's what it is. And they don't really care what the story carries or what it does from the series. Like if they can change things to make it reach a wider audience, they will. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be like good, but it is going to like bring in a lot of money. I don't think the Fast and the Furious movies are like smart or good, but I do enjoy them. They are so ridiculous and stupid. And also a car jumps between two buildings. And I was like, you know what? The rest of this is dumb enough that I can like kind of get behind it. It's tougher for me, I think, because I'm like a little bit more of a like stingy viewer, but I, I do generally, or like John Wick, those movies too are entirely, they're all vibes, it's all action. It's Keanu Reeves killing people in the most precise manner. And I'm like, this is ridiculous, but I'm having a good time watching it. I love John Wick. I'm not going to lie to you. And he's not a cop. Thank God. I have not seen all of the Fast and the Furious. I think the last one I saw was, uh, what, Tokyo Drift? I saw one, two with Tokyo Drift. And I have not seen any more. I am going to watch them. But, wow, I'm about to watch a bunch of cars do things that I know cars cannot do. And (laughs) we're here. Besides this and all the other movies, have you watched anything else that... uh... Of worth uh, worth noting. I've got a bunch of stuff that I can run through, but I would I would like you to go first because you're the guests. Like new, like we just watched. Whatever. If you, or if you just watched something recently, whether it's new or old or whatever. Okay. First of all, I am a resident Scream fan. I want everyone to know that if there are no Scream fans, I am deceased. That is how how Cat feel about Resident Evil. That's how I feel about Scream. I yeah. do, all of them are good. All of them are good. I don't care. They blew the house up in it. Th- I don't care. I love that part. That's one of my favorite parts. I think that's great. It's ridiculous, but I think it's great. Scream 6 was, I saw it twice. I don't usually go to the theater two times to see a movie. I see it once and I wait for it to come out. No, I went two nights in a row. I went Thursday night and Friday night. I was in there like, wow, might even go again. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll go again. I'll go. That's how much I like Scream 6. I'm not, it's brutal. If you like Scream, there are a subset of people who don't enjoy Scream movies, and that's their right, you know, because the horror comedy, the some people don't like that. It's too, you know, meta. They don't like that, and that's okay. But Scream 6, that was nice. Cocaine Bear, not so much. I did go see Cocaine Bear, and um, I was a little disappointed. But Scream 6, yes, and Horror in the High Desert was a decent found footage if you like mockumentaries. Cat. I am catching up on all the things. I have not seen Scream 6 yet. I have no idea when I'm going to see that. So I'm so sorry I let everybody down. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just here. Let's see. I've been watching a bunch of old stuff and kind of catching up on things because life. I did see that one of those new Shutter movies, Nocebo. That one was fun. It was a good time. It did not end the way I thought it was going to end. And I was very happy about that. Um, I figured it was going to go away, but I just didn't want to see a certain thing and I didn't see it. And y'all can see how happy I am. I'm so pleased. (laughs) So really, I've just been trying to lean into all of the new 2023 films and then catch up on 2022 horror because I am behind. Surprise, not surprise. Uh, Well, I forgot to mention a few on the last episode I did with uh, Kit from I Hope You Suffer. So I'll run through those. Uh, The last episode we did was uh, The Scorpion King. Do you have any thoughts on that movie? (laughs) 
I don't remember what happened in that movie. I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm a huge fan of The Mummy and The Mummy 2. Like, I went to theaters for both of those. I know it was The Rock and he did something. I don't know. I can't tell you the plot. I really can't. It was wild. That's it. It was pretty much, as Kit put it, a nothing movie. Uh, It's very unimpressive. Uh, I think I actually liked Resident Evil better and it has a better soundtrack and there's quite a bit of crossover. Um, But besides that, I've also watched Gremlins 2, the new batch, which I love. Uh, Jackass Forever. Love it. Longtime Jackass fan. I uh, watched Silver Bullet, which I thought was, you know, fine. I like Everett McGill because uh, I'm a Twin Peaks fan. Watched The Menu. I dug that a ton. I watched Megan, uh, which Sarah liked more than me. I thought it was, you know, fine. Like, I thought Megan herself was pretty cool. Like, I thought she was very, very cool. Uh, watched the original, original Nosferatu, which, you know, like, it's kind of dated at this point. Obviously, it's silent, but, like, you know, it's important. Um, mm-hmm. for the history of horror. Uh, I watched this ridiculous Mad Max ripoff called The New Barbarians, which was uh, awesome. I loved it. If you're into like corny, not good movies, uh, we watched that movie. Have you guys watched Fresh yet? Oh, yes. yeah. I wasn't fun. really into it. I don't know what, what you thought of it. Cat loves cannibalism. Hate Love hates <laughs> cannibalism. So, uh, yeah. I knew... For me, I knew exactly what kind of movie it was going to be. I think they gave us too much, even with the cover. I wish they wouldn't have packaged it that way. Because I wished what was coming was a surprise. Because as soon as I was like, this is about to happen. She about to do this. This is about to go like this. And it went the way I thought, except for the end. The end kind of tied together. But also, it was it was worth the watch, I say. I thought Sebastian Stan was great in it. He, he's very good at being like kind of funny but also like kind of creepy. Like he was definitely the highlight of the movie. Um, I've been watching the female prisoner 701 series, which stars Miko Kaji, uh, Nathan from I hope to suffer kind of pointed me to those. Mm-hmm. Those are like pretty insane, like uh grindhouse kind of movies, but I really like them. Like they are rough, but they're also like very cool. A lot of like cool visuals and shit. We rewatched Possessor, which I'd seen before. I love Possessor because we went to go see Infinity Pool, the new Brandon Cronenberg movie. I loved that too. I thought that was great. Watched The People That Time Forgot, which is a really corny dinosaur movie from the 70s with Doug McClure, if you're into that. It's some pretty good cheese. Uh, Fiend Without a Face. Love the brainstem monsters in that movie. I watched a Hong Kong Cat 3 film called Run and Kill that is absolutely bananas. Everybody should watch it. Thinner. I don't know how to feel about that movie. Thinner! Thinner is ridiculous. It's cheesy, but I, I I would watch it again. I'm not going to lie. And Hong Kong Category 3 movies are, woo, you might Holy need to take, you know, woo, you need a stiff drink after one of those. I feel kind of weird liking Thinner because I get why it hasn't really like held up kind of you know obviously dealing with like body stuff but it has some really good special effects in it like it's i don't know how to feel about that movie i feel a little bit weird saying i like it because i guess people i don't know is that like a controversial movie i haven't watched it long in a long enough i haven't Same. watched it a while I, it, it has some plot points mm-hmm. like really bruh yeah really but in in the when you look at all the films and about and a lot of horror films are probably a lot of film in general is problematic because society uh it's problematic but when you think about all the films i'm like i, I don't think it's that problematic in comparison to like mm-hmm. the tier of problematic films like if it's like down here all the way up to the top it's gonna be like 
mid, maybe a slight, slight a bump above the midline, but it's not like, oh, you shouldn't even watch this. It's so problematic. It's just going to be like, okay, well, that part is stinky. We know that movies have a few stinky parts and we just go, you be like, yep, we go call it out. We go talk about it and then we go keep watching the rest of the movie. At least that's how, how I feel. Some people will watch it and be like, I'm turning it off. And I understand. Yeah. Me. If it gets too crazy. <laughs> Watched the Dunwich Horror, which I enjoyed. Had a very horny movie, a lot of psychedelic visuals. The House of the Devil, which I was not really into. Tombs of the Blind Undead, which is a little bit of a slog to get through, but it does have some cool zombie visuals. The Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is a pretty ridiculous genre-blending flick that has some very problematic features, but there's a lot that I did like about it. Uh, I did go see Cocaine Bear. I did enjoy it um, overall. I, I had a good time watching it. Two kids that were like clearly underage snuck into that movie and got kicked out, which was kind of funny. <laughs> they were both clearly like 12. Oh, not them sneaking into the movie to watch it without their Padres. Because I was in there. It was only like, it was only four people in the theater and I was one of the four people who went in there because you know I went to the little hood rat theater by my uh, house that's yeah. one of my favorite places to go and I went in there and I was like hmm. but people were audibly laughing so I feel like if the comedy hit for you it's a good time I my laugh box is broken we've talked about this some of the jokes really just do not hit for me and then somebody mentioned it being like if you like Psycho Gorman you would like it but I'm like I love Psycho Gorman I don't about I, this. I think I think Psycho Goreman has a bit more. I think that has a bit more credence. I think there's a bit more like there was more effort put into that movie. That's a harder sell. Like Cocaine Bear is a very easy sell. It's all marketing and like I liked it, but I'm also kind of like, are we trending into like sci-fi originals being like Hollywood because you got like yes. Cocaine Bear, you yes, got, like Plane. You got this new 65 with Adam Driver, and I'm like, that's. That's a that's an asylum movie, you know what I mean? Megan, even these films that you would have never guessed in a million years to get all the marketing and wide release. Like twenty years ago, these movies would they everybody like that's a stupid movie, that's dumb. Mm -hmm. No, no, the movies are no, they're getting wide release. And guess who's going to see them? Me. (laughs) Well, it's it's like Snakes on a Plane. Like that came out, and people were like not really into it like people were really hot and cold on it but i'm like cocaine bear is just snakes on a plane like why are people reacting to this now and it's still kind of the same thing it's like bad as good so i don't know just interesting but like i i I enjoyed it i had a fun time because of that i wound up watching black sheep which was a pretty yeah from oh that was the new zealand movie yeah Yeah, that was a really fun special effects movie like that was that was a lot of fun i had a good time watching that I also watched Skinamarink, which I totally admit is a movie that is not for everybody. I liked it personally. Okay, um, yes. But I fully acknowledge that it is not for everybody. And I get why people like fucking do not like this movie. We're here. Uh, we're covering that at a upcoming I'm date. excited. I understand why it's good. And I also understand why it can be groundbreaking in some ways. But if you're going, people, most people like narrative films. It is not a narrative film. It is, what story? What story? What plot? Everybody's going at it like, girl, I don't know what this is. But Sam, I sat in our after seeing in the theater. I sat in the closet and shut the door, put the headphones on. A, I wasn't the same because I tried to do it at like one a.m. and I realized I was a coward. I couldn't do it. Not at one a.m. in the dark for real. Oh no, no, that was that was a little too scary. Also, in nineteen ninety five, I was five. This this is hitting close to home. So I feel like some people who might have been older or 
you know, the, the newer kids, it might not be as scary, but this is a nostalgia hit where, oh, I was the audience for something like this. Yeah, I it, I think it definitely taps into a lot of that, like, you're young, and even if you're just, like, wake up in the middle of the night and your parents' room is just, like, down the hall from you, you're still young, and you hear, like, your house shifting and creaking, and you, you're, like, what's that? And it's just, an, even if you grew up, like, I grew up in suburbia, any kind of, like, I guess, especially if you grew up in suburbia, any kind of, like, weird foreign noise is very, like, kind of, like, ooh, for, for you. Uh, it did definitely tapped into that, but I, I fully get why people were like not into this because it is a very non-formulaic movie. It's definitely like a very like art house, non-traditional influenced movie. So I, uh, but I, but I liked it. I also watched One Cut of the Dead, which I thought was a fantastic ode to zombie movies. If you don't know mm -hmm. anything about it, definitely don't read about it. But I did think it was a really, really good like movie about movies that might actually be spoiling it yes cat introduced me to that movie that was good and then on the like non-horror side i watched the new black panther movie which i thought was good i watched the movie stalker which was an incredible experience of a movie highly recommend anybody who's like really into film watch that and i also watched rocky four which is cocaine the movie and the movie cobra also with stallone which is incredibly stupid but does have some good action points um and lastly my goal for the year and i'll do an update until i finish it is i'm trying to watch the all the major slasher franchises and so i knocked out friday the 13th part six seven and eight and uh six i think is actually friday the 13th movie that i like the most weirdly enough even though it's the sixth entry i thought seven was really stupid and jason takes manhattan like that movie blows. <laughs> it's not good. I, at least I didn't think it was good. I don't but Jason X, though. Oh, yeah, uh, Jason X. Well, unfortunately, uh, Jason Goes to Hell is not streaming anywhere. So, But Jason X is. And I kind of want to watch Jason Goes to Hell before I go to Jason X, but I might just wind up watching something else. They're not, they're not even that connected, for real. You're not <laughs> like, straight up. The first like three, four movie because I am a Jason Voorhees stand. This is a JC Jason Voorhees stand account. Although I am someone who acknowledges that most of the movies are fucking mid. They're mid. I'm not gonna lie to you. They're not that good. But I will watch any of them at any given time. After you get to like five or six, they're not really. Con they don't really talk about the ones before like that. They just take new directions. Jason goes to hell is uh, it's not streaming streaming, but you could rent it for $2.99 on all of the girls, like on YouTube. I just went and Googled. I said, let me go ahead and Google film because will you have to buy this? $2, $2.99 and you can see everything. My uh, in-house legal advisor, AKA my girlfriend said that it was not worth renting. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna be mad at her because yeah, it might not be worth the three bucks, but yeah, it's not really worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be streaming at a point like within the next like five to six months, you'll probably catch it to be somewhere. They're going to have the Friday the 13th movies. Wildly enough, there's not another Friday the 13th coming up for a while. Isn't there no, it, it seems like it's been kind of a like I, they did the one remake, the Mike, the Michael Bay produced one. And uh, there hasn't really been much talk of the series. So, no, but I, I think Jasmine Day, the next one is in October. Yes, I stand corrected. Oh, 
There's one in October. Okay, sweet. So there's one. The next oh, Friday the 13th. You mean like the literal day? Yeah, because yeah, they usually have some sort of marathon around the Friday mm-hmm. the 13th. Didn't they so, have? Wait, wasn't that like February, March this year? Wasn't it like there were two Friday the 13ths like back to back? I feel was there. I I don't oh, no, know. It might have been February. Oh, let's go back. January. It was January. Yeah. There 13th, was a Friday, Friday the 13th. Yeah, no, there was only one this year. Yep. And the next one is October. Or one so far, excuse me. They're definitely going to be streamed in October. I bet you. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be Halloween and the 13th. Yeah. Yeah. I I wound up buying like a collection that was on sale for like 13. Okay. Never mind. So that's how I, uh, back in January. So that's how I got all of them. I was like, fuck it. I'm drunk and going to buy these now. So here we go. And then I've also been checking out some horror TV. Uh, We watched Midnight Mass, which was, I thought like extremely hot and cold. But I did like it more than Hill House. I thought Hamish Linklater was great in it. I watched the Day of the Dead sci-fi series, which I had mentioned starting on the last episode. And like, I just want to put it out there that my views of this are probably tainted because I love the original movie, but I did not like that show. I don't know if you've watched it, but I did not like it. Speaking of video games, uh, I, d- I don't know if you've watched it, but I have been watching The Last of Us. As of this recording, there's going to be one episode left in it. I don't know if I'm as, as enthusiastic about some other people, but I do really like it. And I think Bella Ramsey is great. And I want to play the games. I started playing the games, but they're mm-hmm. stealth games. I admittedly am not good at stealth games. So Metal Gear Solid, none of them. If I have to sneak, I'm going to die. Let's just start here. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid is barely a game. <laughs> I'm cracking up. I have not watched the show yet. I've played a good chunk of The Last of Us, watched like a good chunk, whistle half and half. I'm excited to start it. Um, I also am interested in seeing the Day of the Dead series. And then when you mentioned it, I thought about, I think it's like back to Resident Evil. I think it's like movie two or three. It might be three, between three or four. There's sort of a nod to Day of the Dead because there's a, one of the, I'm gonna get his name. There's one of the evil doctors. He's now like training the zombies to do all the things, kind of like Bubs. And I was thinking okay. about that when I was rewatching all the films. Like it's never, it's not like, hey, this is Bubs, but this this is what's happening. So I want to check it out. Was the Day of the Dead show trash? It was really, I mean, I know you're like, oh, I watched the movie. Like, was it at least watchable? Did you feel like you were in hell trying to keep up with everything? We watched midnight mass in the span of like a couple of weekends and uh it's taken me like almost two months to watch day of the dead the show i just like the zombies look really good in it because mm-hmm. it's stephen kostansky who did psycho Goreman and the void and obviously special effects are that guy's like forte but like the mm-hmm. show as a whole is like i just didn't like it you know mm. i i I understand that they don't have the budget of like hbo and stuff like that but i just was I was like, eh, it just wasn't good. I just did not like the cast. I didn't look like the acting was bad. There was not a lot going there. I mean, that being said, I still, I want to check out the the Child's Play series that Sci-Fi did because I heard it was good. And was. Uh, I do like Child's Play 1 and 2. I will, pro- I will be including that in my slasher watch through. I also started watching Fargo, which is like pretty good. Um, but like the first season has like, and I don't, I hate to close out on this, but like just some, very like weird and completely unnecessary like racism in it that just like it just amounts to nothing it's just completely pointless so hopefully they do less with that in the in the next season can't wait till you watch child's play 2 is my favorite out of the series outside of the original that and the bride of chucky i love child's play 
I mean, I did like both of those movies. Um, so I, you know, right now where I am with my slashers, um, Hellraiser's on top because I think Hellraiser 1, 2, and 3 are all like good to great. Um, and Friday the 13th is pretty much on the bottom, but I need to check out more of the, I actually haven't seen any of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels. So I, wow. I love the first movie. So I'm a little bit nervous Ooh, going into the rest. Um... I'm going to let you know right now. It's going to go downhill. I'm not even going to play with you like that. <laughs> Hellraiser 4, I know people yep. don't like it, but I like Hellraiser 4. Is I that the one with the video game? No, Hellraiser 4 is... No, that's you're thinking Hellworld. You're, Hellraiser 4 is more they're going into... Um, they go to space. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's always space. Hellworld was a good time. I don't care how chaotic that movie was. I don't care. I, I cannot wait. Real quick, we're going to do some heavy metal recommendations. Uh, ostensibly, this started out as a heavy metal podcast, so I'm bringing this out to cover uh, new and newish metal albums I dig and maybe some other stuff. Uh, we're going to start off with an album from 2022 that I missed out on. It's uh, by the band Black Lab. They are a Japanese two-piece band, both women. Uh, the album is called In a Bizarre Dream, and it is heavy as fuck. And it's got a track featuring uh, the front woman from Stereo Lab, which is a band that I'm not very familiar with, but have it on a record that they fucking rock. Obviously, I kind of know who they are. I know they've been around for a while. I'm just not familiar with their work. Regardless, Black Lab, In a Bizarre Dream, fucking incredible album. If you're a big fan of, uh, you know, the heavy rips and that kind of stuff, I think this really takes that genre and uh, does a great job with it. Fucking love this record. Uh, and then in terms of more recent releases, uh, we've got Dryad with, uh, that's the name of the band, Dryad. Their album is called, uh, that's out this year, The Abyssal Plane. Uh, not Doom specifically, but it is an incredible metal album, no less. Uh, really noticing a trend of aquatic themed albums this year between this and Ahab's record. Also got Ulthar, which is uh, a blackened death metal album and they put out a double release called Helionomicon and Anthronomicon and I fucking loved both of those. That band fucking rocks. And lastly, I'm gonna shout out Resin. I love my dudes in Resin and they've put out another banger release with their album Solace. Uh, go check out all of those again. I'll run through them again real quick. That's Black Lab, In a Bizarre Dream, Dryad, The Abyssal Plane, Ulthar, with Helionomicon and Anthronomicon and Resin with Solace. I am going to do a quick shout out to the Nighthawk Cinema, actually, uh, in Prospect Park, because when we saw Cocaine Bear, a light kept going on that was like borderline going to give people fucking like uh, seizures because they're cool. They gave us everybody free tickets. So my shout out is to them. Uh, I don't hey. know if you want to shout out anybody for anything, but if not, where can people find out about you? Ooh, wow. Oh, okay. Um, well, you can pull up with us on Girl That's Scary on literally all things. If you put Girl That's Scary into the Google machine, it pops up. I want to shout out the Alamo Draft House because they've been, we've been kicking it there recently. we got some live podcasts happening there. We've been hosting movies. We're hosting a movie and going to host more. So that's really fun. What about you, Jazz? You got any shout outs? You know, just shout out to our horror friends everywhere. You know, I hope you suffer. Pod Mortem, Kill the Dead. All our friends, Nightmare yeah. on Fierce, Nightmare on Fifth, you know, support all of the super cool horror podcasts, not just the main super popular ones. Go deep dive to the ones who have less than 10,000 followers, please. And mm -hmm. thanks. You know, you've uh, like blown up over the last few years. So like, it's a real honor to be able to borrow a couple hours of uh, your time 
to come on uh, this podcast. So I, I thank you so much for, for coming on. And, you know, I think it needs to be mentioned also too. I meant to say it at the top of the episode, but like we went to go see my chemical romance last year and it was fucking awesome. That was it so was much fun. I think about that all the time. Same. I'm happy that we got to like know each other and our mutual appreciation for horror movies, whether good or bad, allowed this to happen and going to see a fun fucking show. Yes, great show. We will do it again. I don't know when though, but it will happen. www.girlthatscary.com and there's like a, all my links and it takes you to all the things. So life is easy when you have Al Gore slash Beyonce's internet in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Al Gore's fiance. What happened to Beyonce's internet? No, she said Al Gore slash Beyonce. Slash Beyonce. Oh, slash Beyonce. Gore's Beyonce. I thought you said Al Gore's fiance. I was like, no, he got a new one of those. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and this year? Okay. All right. Well, uh, as for movies from Green Hell, actually, there will be another episode released in April on 420. You could probably guess what it's going to be if you've uh, peeped out previous Diary of Doom episodes that also came out on 420. And then after that, the next episode excuse me, will come out in May and we'll be switching it up from the very new metal heavy soundtracks for something from, excuse me, the 80s. The beer is catching up to me. Yeah. Thank you again to Girl That's Scary for coming on and talking about Resident Evil. This is Cat and Jazz. Go find them on all of their feeds and, and whatnot. And uh, we'll catch you next time on the next episode of Movies from Green Hell. anyone's going to be able to see that that's okay i felt like nardwar when he's like oh my god anyway. i love him and he just throws this. huge fan huge fan love oh. that dude